Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, Stefan Osterheim, grew up in Stavanger, in the southwest of Norway, where he started skating. In 2010, he went to high school at Brigerietz Gymnasium, the famous Malmö-based skateboarding high school which has welcomed some of the best skaters from Scandinavia from the last 15 years, including Sarah Merle, Didri Galasso, Villa Wester, Oscar Rosenberg, or Heitor de Silva, to name a few. After high school, Stefan went back to Norway and kept skating at an insane level while working and studying to become a kindergarten teacher. In 2020, he started working as a skate teacher at Brigerietz alongside John Darquist, vice principal and co-founder of the school who used to be his teacher. Together, they are guiding the next generation of amazing talent that will follow the path of their predecessors. So here's my conversation with Stefan. I hope you'll enjoy it. Thank you so much, man. Really honored to have you. I've been uh, thinking of asking you to come on the podcast for a while now, and uh, and I've enjoyed uh, having some of your like friends and uh, colleagues on this podcast uh, in the last year or so. Yeah. And uh, you have an amazing scene in Malmo and uh, an amazing school at Brigerietz. So I have a lot of questions for you. So cool. yeah, really stoked. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for uh, putting me on the podcast. I'm honored and it's uh, going to be fun to uh, see what you have in store for me. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. So I usually start the same way with every guest. And usually we start with just how the guests started skating. And so I know that you grew up in Norway. So yeah. right now you live in Malmö because you're working at the school and we'll talk about that eventually. Yeah. But I know that you're from a town called Stavanger. I'm not sure how to say yeah, that. Yeah. But... Stavanger, it's called Stavanger. in Norway, but Stavanger is fine. Right, right. And so, yeah, tell me about like growing up and picking up your first board. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as you said, born and raised in Norway, the west coast of Norway, to be precisely. Okay. And uh, yeah, started skating when I was 10 years old. Actually, the reason why I started to skate is pretty uh, is pretty funny. I used to play a lot of video games as a, as a kid, and my right. mom, she was uh, kind of frustrated with me just being so addicted to video games and just staying inside, not being active and all of that. And at that time, I think video games was kind of, it wasn't new, but it was still, you know, to that point where it was a lot of talking about like it's it's unhealthy and, you know, this and that. So uh, she, sure. she really tried to get me into all kinds of sports. So she tried football and um, handball, where you play with your hands, like throw oh, yeah. ball, and yeah, and uh, yeah. So eventually, she um, she gave me a skateboard when I was like nine, and it okay. was one of those you know really bad skateboards you can buy at the like sports shop, like really thick boards with like big wheels. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember telling her like, "Mom, just just stop, like like I'm <laughs> never going to start skateboarding, so just don't." And she was like, oh, oh, well, like I tried. And um, that year, like, I think Jackass was like at the most high peak. It was like 2002 or something. Okay. You know, Jackass was like a big thing. And yeah. uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skaters, the video game, they just come out like around that time. So, mm-hmm. so the like combination of playing that video game and watching Jackass got me into like, hey, I got this board, like. And first, you know, a couple of months, me using that board was primarily, you know, driving as fast as I could into curbs so I could slam. And it was like, hey, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, 
yeah, eventually I started to like try to do ollies and I started like caught an interest for the actual skate part of it. Right. And especially from playing Tony Hawk Pro Skaters. And then eventually I told my mom like, hey, I, I want to start doing this for real. Like I want to have a, a real board. A I proper board. A proper yeah. board, yeah. And then uh, the Christmas year after I got my first proper board, i pretty sure it was like Destructo Trucks and um, some like local shop called um, Surf Snow Skate. They had like their own brand with wheels and uh, okay. actually a nor- local Norwegian uh, from Stavanger brand called Shit Skateboard. And that was my first <laughs> 10 years old, so 20 years ago. And then like from there on, I just, you know, straight eight hour practice every day, like trying to do ollies and that stuff. So you started skating around that time. And so when did sponsors start coming to knock on your door? Because I know that you were sponsored a few years back by DC. I saw like some footage of you for a, a local skate shop in Norway called Session, I believe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think you were on Plan B Flow or something for a bit as well. Yeah, you got your facts pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, so tell me about like those first uh, sponsors that uh, approached you. Like how old were you and how did it all happen? So my my first sponsor is was actually um, Globe Shoes. Oh yeah. No wait no 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 I got it in the wrong order. My first sponsor was Rich Skateboards. Okay. After shit skateboards. It was no no the... no that was afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Skateboards came in first, and that was pretty random thing because uh, Rich Skateboards. Based in Norway as well. It was this guy for me now is a legend, you know. <laughs> it's called like Shire, uh, Kyrre in Norwegian. Okay. And he um he started his brand like around early 2000 and then he um he only put on kids at the age between 13 and 16. And that was okay. like his concept. Anyway, um he um did this brand and he put on all these kits and uh, we did some trips and at that time my brother used to film us so he came along on some of the trips and mm-hmm. mostly like competitions we traveled around Norway to do competitions and film some small video projects and it was all like really like it kind of reminds of like Termite if you ever heard of that brand Yeah 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 that's what I was thinking of yeah. when you talked about this yeah 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 like I a remember. Norwegian Termite kind of concept it was super popular at the beginning, especially since like at that time, like competition scene in Norway was super booming. Like everyone in the skate scene came to all the contests and, you know, there were so many kids at the time and everyone was super hungry and everyone mm. wanted to get sponsored. So if you got on that, you knew you were on, on your way into the industry right. like of being sponsored. So it was super popular the first like 2005 to like 2007, six, I don't know. And it went out of business a couple of years after that. But, okay. but I skated for them a couple of years. And then Globe Shoes came right after. It was my uh, my good friend, uh, Gustav Tönnesen, who also wrote for uh, Globe oh, Shoes. Yeah. Who, he wrote who for Globe up. as well? Yeah, oh, okay. me and him were teammates on Globe. <laughs> yeah, that's so Okay, sick. okay. So tell me about going to Brigerietz, because as I said, you now you work there, but you were also a student there between, I believe, 2010 and 2013. Yep. You did all your high school over there. So tell me about like first hearing about the high school and how did you like apply to, to go there? 
Yeah, I uh, I heard about it the first time when I went to maybe eighth grade, ninth grade. In Norway, you you go from first till tenth grade in school, and then I heard about it because some other Norwegians that I knew actually one of them rode for Rich Skateboards back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I saw those guys. They made some videos back then. Tacky. I don't know if you use Tacky in France. Like it was a skate site called Tacky Point. Uh, I don't remember that one. Yeah, it was big in in Scandinavia at least, like Tacky Point No. Okay. And they they made some you know just skate flicks from the school. And when I heard of that, I was like, "What is this for real? Like, is there really a school in Scandinavia where you can actually do high school and skateboard? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's that's just a must be a joke or something. I don't know. This <laughs> it just sounds too good to be true. And yeah. when we saw the videos with that huge skate park and. It was way more like a OG Euro Park back then, like you know, big pyramids and rails, and um, it was a lot of stuff going on. But it still, like we were so hyped and like, why you got to go to school and meet other skaters? Like it's just too good to be true. And I was yeah, so man. into skateboarding around that age, like from ten till I guess seventeen. It was my life. Like I didn't care about anything else. Like I didn't party. I didn't do nothing. I just skated. And mm. I told my parents like before high school, like I'm not going to a normal high school. That's for sure. Like there's no way. Like I got this thing going, and this is this is what I'm going to do. So like I'm dropping out. Like that's that's it. And they're like, mm. no, no, never, no, no, no. That's not gonna happen. I'm like. Okay, so then I need to, we need to find something that works out. And then I got this school here in Malmo and like Malmo is a, it's a great city and it's really nice here, but it's got a pretty bad reputation. Okay. Because there's some crime going on over here and uh, the Norwegian newspaper loves to write about it in a really bad way. Like, oh, there's gang violence and there's this and that and, you know, so, and there hadn't been too many Norwegians attending the school besides of those. And uh, I think they waited a year before they applied. So they were kind of like older, like 17, 18 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, like my mom refused the first time. She told me like, no way, like that's not going to happen. She was reluctant because it was in Malmö? Yeah, yeah. Like first things first, I was 16 years old, you know, I didn't take too much responsibility for myself. And it was just too early for them to send Mm -hmm. me away, which I totally understand to this day. No, (laughs) it's normal. They want to protect you. Yeah. No hard feelings there. Quite the Mm -hmm. opposite. But anyways, I ended up going to high school in Norway for, you know, two or three months. And then I skated a competition in Norway called Volcom Wild in the Parks, which was like a pretty cool concept. Like it was, you know, qualifications and they they did the competition around Europe. They did that in Norway, Sweden, Spain, a lot of countries. And then um, Mm -hmm. the ones who got first place in each country ended up going to the final in Malmö. Oh, okay, okay. At Brigeri, at the skate parks. I was like, oh, nice. I won that competition in Norway. And when I heard like, oh, the final is in Malmö, I told mom like, hey, the final is in Malmö, like at the school, like, you want to go? Yeah. She's like, yeah, perfect. Let's go. Like, I'll come and we'll, we can, we can even try to meet up with the teachers and see what the school is all about. And then, uh, okay. So she, she was changing her mind already. No, she wasn't really changing her mind, but she was kind of more open to it because like, right. as I said, I went to a high school in Norway but I got really bad grades like from the start like I wasn't skipping school too much but I wasn't I was just not there you know mentally I was watching Sean Malto parts all day long you know I couldn't I couldn't focus on anything else so sure yeah 
And then we ended up going to Brigeriet and uh, I actually won that competition too. And that was, yeah, kind of humble bragging here, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, anyways, we got to talk to the principal of the school and uh, John was there mm-hmm. also and little me and we were talking and they were pretty convincing, I would say, because uh, after that meeting, she, she kind of understood the whole thing and she was like, okay, this seems like a good place to be, even though it's kind of scary to send my son over to Malmo. Yeah. So uh, when I came home, I was like, mom, there you go. Like, this is it. And she was like, yeah, well, okay, I get it. So, okay, next year. And I was okay. like, yes, yes, let's go. Mm-hmm. And ended up quitting my high school like the week after, like just dropped out. But uh, the good thing was I, I, that high school I went to in Norway, it was like a service program where you learn to like work like in the service industry. And then uh, I had like a internship at the skate shop session, as you mentioned. Oh yeah. So I talked to that shop and she, my mom was like, okay, the one condition of you dropping out is that you got something else to go to. And session was like, yeah, sure. Come and work here. So I, I cool. started working at session when I was 16. Yeah, so perfect. It all worked out. Yeah. And so how was your experience going to the school? Like, how did you enjoy it? And how would you say that it, that it helped you with either your skating or just uh, figuring out what you wanted to do eventually after high school? Like, uh, what was your like, uh, main um, lesson that you learned from going over there? My main lesson from going here? I guess just coming over, like, you know, school is an institution, whatever, which angle you you may look at it, it is an institution Mm. and it has a purpose. And the purpose is, of course, learning and of course, you know, get a degree and, you know, some schools is more angled as like the practical point of view and like gives you skills and tools to do certain type of work and other is more preparing for doing studies. So... For me to be able to use my passion and be able to actually do what I love to do. And like, as I said, I was really a stubborn kid. Mm-hmm. For me, it wasn't an opportunity. It wasn't like, yeah, maybe, well, you know, it was like, it's this or nothing. So mm. to be able to actually do what I love and do what I like was passionate about. And at the same time, I got to, of course, <laughs> please my parents to go to school, but to have that degree on in life. Like I didn't get the best grades, but I, I got through it all. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I studied at the university later with those grades. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm just really thankful because if I didn't do that, I probably would be stuck with either doing school afterwards, which is not in my like, I'm not the type of guy who like really enjoys being on the school bench. I, I don't yeah. enjoy it too much, but I like I figure that if I wanted to do something else than just, you know, construction work or just like mm. hard labor, it's it's a good thing to go to school. And sure. But yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. My main what I learned just to be around adult teachers mm-hmm. who accept you for what you are and understand you like yeah and share share that passion for some of them at least like yeah john yeah, and... yeah john was of course my mentor and my and still to this day is my mentor and mm-hmm. huge influence and just to be able to talk with adults and express yourself how you're feeling what you think and they actually listen to you and they actually motivate you to get through it yeah. and like okay but like come on let's go let's how can we angle this so it works out for you 
besides yeah. like you know the Norwegian system or I don't know not all in Norway but at least mm. the, the ones I had been through earlier on it's the school institution is such a square thing in certain types of school it's like if you don't fit in you don't fit in and then you like yeah. you're on the side and too bad for you I guess so tell me a bit about like the aftermath of the school because so so you graduated in 2013 and you eventually came to work there in 2020 I believe so about two years yeah. ago but between those two and that whole process you were skating professionally you had sponsors you were traveling and uh, I also saw that you were working for like the city of Stavanger for a bit yeah, like yeah, as yeah. a I think you were I'm not gonna say the word in Norwegian because I'm gonna butcher it but it's like a care assistant basically or something like that. Yeah, you really got your facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was super random. That was not a really thought through choice that kind of happened. But to take you further, like after after graduating Brigriet, at the end of, of my time at Brigriet, I wouldn't say I was lost, but I was, I would say I, you know, that drive I had to become a professional skateboarder and my skate career, mm -hmm. it was so much during my time at Brigriet. Like I, I traveled to the US three times I skated competitions like all year round. I, I filmed video parts. I had some different sponsors and a lot of stuff happened during those days. And it was such a good time. And it was really, it was a lot of um, pressure too. And it was yeah. a lot of... I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And being in that skate bubble for 10 years made me kind of miss and crave something more outside skateboarding. Okay. So... At the end of my last year at Brigiri, I, I still skated a lot and I still, like, of course, did competitions and um, filmed and mm -hmm. did trips. But I got a girlfriend mm -hmm. and I went a lot back home. Like, I traveled home during the weekends and I started, like, to search for new friends outside skateboarding and I started partying a lot and, yeah, got, got into other stuff. Okay. Uh, I started weightlifting. Oh, yeah at the age of 19 to get something else besides skating and uh, that was really good that helped me a lot to take focus mm. off you know the whole skate stressful things and yeah when i came back home to norway i was i guess i i will say i was kind of lost but because you know coming back from i lived for myself for three years only skateboarding and came home with like i'm kind of over not over skateboarding mm. but i was over the whole skate career you know fixation yeah i understand and, okay. yeah and i was like you know like i'm not going to a little bit burnt out yeah exactly a little bit burned out on that side but but not burnt out in life quite the opposite sure. i was full of life and so eager to explore like other stuff and weightlifting and uh, partying took a bigger bigger you know yeah. place in my life and for me coming home to my hometown was really good before i left i was like i'm never going to live here this is too small for me the skate scene is too small and when i came home i'm like i'm never leaving this place <laughs> again like i i want to be here the rest of my life like this is where i'm from this is where they talk the same language the same dialect and uh, mm -hmm. i really Really craved you know to get into that bubble that i missed and i never like really got to attend so yeah so I, i understand yeah i worked at session when i came home for like two years okay and uh, skated and traveled and did that stuff but uh, as i said like 
partying was taking over more and more and mm-hmm. and I worked out and uh, hanged out with a lot with friends and like stopped caring about like whether or not I was going to be a professional skateboarder it was it was so good like it was like a relief like mm. not caring that much it was like oh finally I can go skateboard and just you know have fun yeah so it was a good yeah. thing for me too and then after a while I figured like okay I don't want to work in a skate shop the rest of my life mm-hmm. I want to do something else and I don't know what at all Stavanger is the oil capital of Norway. It's normal to work like offshore. We go mm. like two weeks on and four weeks off. So that's that's like a big dream. It's like it's good money. It's hard labor, but it's also good terms. And okay, and I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like if I'm going to be a Stavanger boy, like that's that's what I need to do. And and right at that time, 2014, when I was supposed to do that, it was like an oil crisis. So like oh, so, yeah. like uh, some something happened like Saudi Arabia and the oil prices just fell just dropped overnight and like people told me like don't do that education because it costs a lot of money and like you won't get a job so I was like okay so okay what, I see yeah what should I do now and then uh, my mom she worked as a caretaker we can use that term oh yeah okay at a it's like an at home for people with mental disabilities and uh, physical disabilities right and she told me like yeah you should try that that's uh, like I think you could fit it pretty well like like yeah sure like why not mm-hmm. it was pretty close to my house and and i thought like why not mm-hmm. just try it i know it was i knew it was good money it was better money at least than working in a skate shop and it was good hours and yeah there's always a really big crave after like people who can work and be young of course who can work extra and overtime whatever and i just went in with my uh, nothing no application nothing just asked like uh, can i work here and they were like who are you like mm-hmm. yeah I'm monica's son my mom and she, they were like well i think they might need some help downstairs just go down and talk to the boss and they're like yeah she's not here but come back tomorrow and they just hired me just on the spot like yeah, yeah can you start can you start tomorrow i'm like yeah sure like <laughs> do you have an experience like you know there's diapers and it's like <laughs> like no never never done anything like it it's like yeah well you figure it out come here tomorrow at like seven and you'll start <laughs> okay and wow. from there it just kind of took off i just worked for half a year non-stop and just earned money and uh, lived in my parents house okay and then uh, i started um i applied to university uh, the university of stavanger I applied for a couple of uh, like programs. Mm-hmm. I applied for like, it's not nursing, but it's something else. It's like kind of in between nursing and working with people with disabilities. Okay. Yeah, I applied for that and I applied for uh, like social worker. I applied for a couple other stuff and ended up because as I said, my grades weren't that good. So I ended up uh, getting into a program called kindergarten teacher. Oh, that's right. Yes. I think you mentioned that in the followed piece. Yeah, probably. And my job where I already worked told me like, if you get this degree, like you can work here full time and we will pay you as it's called milieu therapeut. It's like a, we can just call it a social therapist. Let's just use that term. And yeah, they told me that. And I, uh, I worked there part time at the same time as I studied. And then um, pretty much just started going to that program. And, and in the beginning, I was kind of skeptical, like, yeah, well, is this for me? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too much into like working with kids at that age because they're really small yeah. and I hadn't done it too much before. But 
if I can use it in other jobs, like sure, why not? But I was definitely not like, you know, 100% sure that this was it, but kind of figured like I only need the papers. And as I said, I don't really enjoy sitting at the school bench. So mm. it wasn't really an alternative for me to go back to, you know, high school and up my grades to get into the program I really wanted because either way, I wasn't even really sure what I wanted to do. So, okay. So yeah, I started that program and I went there from 2015 till 2018. And then that same institution that I worked on just hired me full time, like half a year before I even was done with my education. They were like, yeah, sure, we want to, we want to keep you so you can, you can come work here. So. Okay. And so tell me about like um, coming back to Brigariet. So that was in 2020. Yep. How did it happen? Like, did John approach you to offer you this job or did you like knock on their door? How did it all happen? So what happened was at like age 25, when I studied, I applied for like an exchange student program in Copenhagen. Okay. And me and John always kept in touch. After the school? Yeah, yeah. I came back like once a year to skate competitions and just hang out and, you know, talk to John and... There's a special uh, feeling about this place and like a lot of students keeps returning here and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. As long as it's not, you know, returning every day after graduation, that's then it's more like a separation problem. But <laughs> but, but anyways, like, yeah, I, I always enjoyed coming back. And when I when I was studying in Copenhagen, I told John about my degree and what I'm what I was doing. And he's a social worker, too. So we kind yep. of bonded over that and we're like, hey, I'm going to China for a month and I'm going to like like train the Chinese Olympic team and I was like oh, whoa yeah. that's crazy and he was like hey if you if you have time or like if you want to like you can come over and substitute a couple hours some of the classes so I was like yeah cool like yeah for sure that would be cool to come back and like be on the opposite side of the um, table you know yeah, yeah, yeah so I did that a couple of times and um at the time I was like I've always been a really nervous speaker like in front of people Oh yeah, I'm the same, I understand. Suffering from, you know, like social anxiety, just talking in front of, you know, classes and stuff like that. So I was like a nerve wreck when I came over and, you know, I tried to hide it by like a cool facade. I was like at my peak at like weightlifting at the time. So I was like, more oh, yeah. of a, I look more like a bodybuilder and a skateboarder at age 25, <laughs> I would say. You know, tight t-shirt came in like with all fixed hair and just like, yeah, let's go skate guys. And like, whoa, okay, let's go. And, uh, you know, as I told you earlier on, I always been, you know, try to, I want to skate my best. I want to, of course, skate good to feel good, but also to impress. So I was like, you know, do a nollie hill board side down rails and people was like, well, who is this dude? Like bodybuilder coming in doing all this <laughs> nollie hill board sides and, uh, yeah, and that was fun, but uh, I was like, oof, I could never, ever do that. Like, you know, I would be a nerve wreck every day coming into the school and hmm. and talking in front of people. So so I went back to Norway, stayed there for two more years, working full time at that institution. And uh, yeah, I came back a year later afterwards, actually, 2019. I went to Copenhagen to visit my friend, my good friend, Lube. Shout out to him. And um I met this girl when I was studying just once at the, like an art show at Lubis art show actually. Okay. And then uh, I couldn't let her go from my mind. I was like, oh, I need to, I need to, I want to go back to meet her, but she wasn't yeah. too stoked on meeting me. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I went down to visit uh, Lova and um, the same weekend as I visited my friend Lova, I, I met up with John just randomly. I told him like, hey, I'm in town. Like, like uh, if you got time, let's let's take a beer, say what's up. And he's like, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I actually wanted to talk to you about something. So that's perfect. I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. And we had a sit down and took a beer and he was just like, you know, I've been thinking, like, I've been looking for somebody to come in and um, add to the skate teacher group right it's not a group it's only me and him but anyways he wanted to add an extra teacher in and i was like oh whoa he's like yeah and like there's a lot of skateboarders that could be a good fit but like none of them has like a pedagogy as an asset to you know being a teacher Mm -hmm. and you you have that i was like yeah sure but you know that's for like zero to five year old kids but it's like yeah that doesn't that doesn't matter you know it's all it's all babies and i was like yeah yeah that's true (laughs) that's true yeah pretty much like (laughs) pedagogy in a way works for everyone i would say sure yeah yeah, 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 and i was like yeah that sounds crazy but i was overwhelmed and i just remember that last thought i had after being there like two times like i can never ever come back you know doing this like this is way too much (laughs) and then but yeah, I, I met that girl too, and we started dating afterwards. So I came back and forth. Like I traveled to Malmo for like a week here and there. And, you know, because that other job that I had, it gave me like one week off every third month. Okay. So I used that week to come over and visit her and just hang out. Right. Okay. And she went to school, so I had nothing to do basically during the weekdays. And uh, I told John about like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for like a week here and there, like, if you're down, I'm I'm just coming over to Bagrit and hanging out and just join in. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah, sure, sure. Come on, you're welcome. You're more than welcome. And and then I was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And uh, I joined in the skate class. Just sat in the corner, didn't say a word, too nervous to speak, and still looked like a bodybuilder. <laughs> body <laughs> and and uh, tried to impress the students, I guess. And uh, nobody really knew me because I was like 27 years old. So it was like seven years later. Yeah. But yeah, ended up getting serious with the girl and uh, COVID hit at the oh, time. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, I had some uh, personal issues at the time with like mental health issues, like okay. anxiety, pretty severe anxiety uh, issues. Uh-huh. And went in like into a full blown, you know, like panic attacks and uh, depressed state just mm. at the same time as COVID hit. And it was like, you know, I was kind of like in a crisis in my life where like, whoa, like this isn't working out for me. Like mm. at home, like I partied way too much and uh, it was out of control. And, uh, you know, the thing with that girl was like make or break. Like if, if we want to keep doing this, I need to either move or I need to just, you know, drop it. And I was kind of not not burned out with my job, I guess, but I had like multiple jobs at the same time. I like, I bartended like on three different bars working hundred percent at that other job and, you know, party at the same time so much. So, Mm. and thought I was like super happy, but uh, like what I figured out was like, I was pretty deeply depressed and uh, Mm. had some crazy anxiety issues and I couldn't even work for a couple of weeks because I was so off. Like I was just stressing. Okay. And in all these, uh, you know, stressful moments and uh, dark times, I kind of just got this, you know, kind of light thrown down, just showing up. And it was like clear to me, like, I need to change something. I need to switch it up. Like, maybe I should just do this moment thing. Maybe I should just move, just leave this uh, life behind. But it felt so weird, you know, because I was burned out leaving mama the first time and now i'm burned out in stavanger and you know yeah yeah I understand. so it was it was super weird for me like this seems like backwards and for some reason but 
course, the girl who I'm engaged to this mm-hmm. day was like a huge part of that. And uh, it made me like do the switch. So, yeah, okay. I just went for it. Like mid Corona, me and her was like, it was pretty uncertain. But I just told her like, hey, I, I'm feeling pretty, pretty bad these days. But like the only thing that makes sense is just like, you know, exploring what we are and um, yeah, yeah. moving down. And I got this John gave me the offer like at mm. the same time because i was pretty open with him just told him like hey man this is where i'm at like i'm feeling pretty bad but at the same time like i've been working full time and had had this education um and at that time you know where i felt really down low skateboarding was it was just there it was just there waiting for me to just pick it up and just yeah. go skateboard so i started skating a lot again like kind of quiet down on the partying and whatever and then um it just made sense to do something else but i was I was so scared and so nervous going back to, you know, and for me, especially at that time when I had so severe anxiety problems to be able to talk in front of people was just, it seems, Oh yeah, yeah it sure. seemed just it's very difficult out of the picture, but that did it anyway. You took a leap of faith and yeah, hundred percent yeah, a leap yeah. of faith. It was, uh, it was crazy. I talked about the followed piece, uh, the Pocket Skate Mag piece on Briguerie. And uh, whoever is listening to this, I highly recommend that they go watch it. But uh, but tell me about like some of the, the lessons and how do you divide your roles basically with John? Yeah, how we divide the roles? We just kind of go with the flow, I guess. Of course, in the beginning, I was more of a sidekick. Yes. 100%. I was, you know, a lot more passive because as I said, I tried to, I tried to do one step at a time. You know, I tried to, John was like the main teacher and yeah. I was more like, as I said, sidekick. So I, I tried right. to come in every now and then and like, you know, say something just to like have uh, heard my own voice in the room and, uh, you know, standing in front of the class just to, you know, be present, I guess. And, yeah, sure. Uh, and maybe overcompensated a lot at the beginning with skate wise just you know came down on the park just try to crush it so i, I felt good at uh, impress something. everybody yeah yeah and impress my like yeah yeah I, I, I okay i didn't i didn't talk too much i didn't do too much but i i shredded hard as <laughs> i kind of felt weird but but that was so good too because i talked to john about that and i was like oh man i don't feel like i'm doing my job right like i'm not hired you know to skate like a maniac <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i'm a teacher and he was like hey man think about this If you went into a classroom and you saw a math teacher, you know, just like doing equations, like, oh man, just like, hold on a second. I just need to finish this equation right here. I'm so close. I'm so, and the students, they would be like, whoa, whoa, he's so stoked. Like, what is he doing? Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, that's, that's you right now. Yeah. It's inspiring. Like that's you right now. Like you're just doing your, doing your thing and you're just, you're giving them something to strive against. Sure. You motivate them like, whoa, I'm. I never even thought of that, but like, yeah, if you tell me that, like, sure thing, it gives me at least some confident boost. And yeah, it was good for me. That was the way for me to cope with, uh, you know, my personal things in the beginning. And then yeah. let the skating while, the talking kind of. Exactly. Yeah, 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 more, yeah, yeah. more of that. But and, and also I was I was always better, you know, on the one on one hand talking. And, and but the hard thing was still like the fact was that I was a teacher. I was supposed to stand up there, talk and educate. So, yeah. So, yeah, after like when the years passed by, like first year and, and then the second year, I because at the beginning I was only working like, you know, 60% and it wasn't oh, yeah? uh, okay. enough. It kind of opened up an opportunity with the PE class, physical education. Oh yeah. 
not skateboarding, just normal school PE. So I kind of jumped on that train and was like, yeah, sure. Like I want to, I want to work here, you know, as much as I can, or at least like more than I do. Yeah. And, uh, that was interesting because that wasn't only the skateboard students anymore. It was also, you know, the other students nor- normal. Yeah. Because there's, there is normal students right? Uh, yeah, yeah. or like normal students, you know, like students who doesn't skate also attend the school. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, there's a art class. There's a, media class and Mm -hmm. uh, there's all different types of students attending the school so now i i was included in the in that too and Mm -hmm. it's like a weird thing but it was kind of you know in somewhat almost easier for me because you know standing in front of the class being like yeah i'm a skateboarder i've been skating for 20 years i've been this doing this and that it kind of followed some expectations about like you know how i were supposed or at least I felt that, like, it kind of came with some pressure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, like, sometimes I felt that pressure was... And at the beginning, it, the age difference wasn't that big. Like, people knew me, and I was like, oh, yeah, I knew you from, like, you know, back in the day and stuff yeah. like that. And it was like, you know, the transition being a homie and a, and a teacher was kind of, you know, hard to... It was kind of hard to balance sometimes. I can see but, that, you know, yeah. Meeting people who was like, they had no idea who I was, and they are like, yeah, you're just another teacher, you know, just teaching us PE... And, you and know, not, you're not interested young, in skating, so you can't really impress them with your skills. Yeah, though. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. That was that was really good. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Humbling. Yeah, humbling and grew into that role. And uh, eventually I took over that class. So now I do, I'm doing the PE class by myself. Okay, oh, cool. And that helped, yeah, that helped me a lot. And during the last, after I worked one and a half year, I was really, you know, back and forth like okay now i worked here for one and a half year and it's pretty it's really tough you know working one place where you feel we have low self-esteem where you're like really like insecure and doubting yourself doubting yourself like is this what i'm supposed to do Mm -hmm. and it came down to a point where i was like okay so now i've been back and forth for so long and i've been struggling with these things on the side so i need something i need to like land in something you know i i can't i can't be in this limbo anymore yeah so it's either you know either i change switch it up and apply for a new job which i wasn't that interested in because like what should i do in malmo i have no connections and mm. you know kindergarten i i, I kind of lied to myself at one point like yeah kindergarten is pretty dope like and i know like nah <laughs> it's not like i i've done that and it's it's not my my thing really okay but then i i just kind of decided like okay you know what like i don't really care anymore like if i if I am nervous, if I have uh, suffer from, you know, anxiety, depression, like I'm just going to do this full on. I'm just going to commit 100%. And if I fail, whatever. Yeah. It's cool. Like then I, at least I gave it my all, you know. Sure. Like, at least yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I just committed to it. So after that, things started to get better. Like I started to actually tell John like, hey, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first real presentation I did was, uh, and that's pretty ironic. It's uh, it was about mindset. I, I called it like a skate mindset okay. lecture because I'm I'm really into you know uh, as I said psychology and um, and also physical health because I've been working out for yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay. So I told John like, hey man, I I want to try to face my fears once and for all and like take that step into the you know the teaching world and be a teacher and for me doing that it it comes with you know me doing a presentation Mm. and the good thing was that john never expected or the principal never said like hey if you don't do this like you're not a teacher yeah yeah, they were always like hey man like you do you like 
teachers are individuals, not like a fabricated machine. Like exactly. if you're if you're more of the like, you know, less talkative guy and more like practical, like you just the students are happy with you, like we're happy with you, like you're doing a good job. And I the only person who was not telling me that I was doing a good job was myself. Yeah, yeah. And that comes with me being like, you know, trying to always do my best in skateboarding. I'm really like self-critical. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyways, I was just like, okay, so John, like, let me do this lecture and let me just, he's like, for sure, this is super, this is perfect. Like, go ahead. And I remember like staying at work after hours, you know, really training hard and like getting all the, you know, PowerPoint slides in and like really right. practicing. And I even practiced in front of my friend. So uh, that, was, that was funny. <laughs> and then um, I ended up just like doing it, you know, and I've been skating competitions for so many years and the anxiety I get standing in front of a crowd talking is way worse than, you know, I skated Tampa M once. That was, that was horrifying. That was nerve wracking. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe the same. Yeah. But when I skateboard, it's like, I don't need to talk. I just need to do. And like, if I miss, like it's, I'm so full of adrenaline. I'm just like, yeah, you know, just in the zone, but talking, you need to like stay calm at some point yeah. too. Yeah. That's the hard thing. You You're know? much like, more vulnerable talking than you are skating. I mean, especially someone yeah. like you who's so gifted at skating. Like you can, you can just skate and perform. Yeah, you can hide behind, hide behind the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's always, I mean, it's not easier in the long run to have a mask and a facade, but mm. it definitely feels good in the moment. And I've been doing that a lot. So, uh-huh. yeah, now I was I was prepared to, you know, come up on stage, come up in the classroom, having a lecture. And in this lecture, I was pretty open, which I am with you too. And yeah, that's yeah, yeah. sort of my my thing that I try to be really open about, you know, yeah, mental you health, and, yeah, uh, yeah sure. feelings and thoughts and everything. So yeah, yeah. we had the lecture about, as I said, skate mindset. Right. We got into the fear part, like what is fear? Like, of course, you can go into the, the biological perspective. You're like, what is fear? Where is it? Where does it come from? Mm-hmm. Why do we get it? What's the reason for, for having fear? Is it good? Is it bad? Blah, blah, blah. How does it affect skateboarding? Yeah. And then I talked about like anxiety and what anxiety is and why people suffer from it and how does it come up and uh, and social anxiety and you know that it's pretty common. It's a lot of people that suffer from it and a lot of people not necessarily suffer from it, but they, they can feel it because yeah. like we are pretty scared to, to get judged. Like me, I have suffered from social anxiety for half of my life and now I'm standing here and I'm facing my fears just in front of you. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and it gets pretty weird with people because people are like, wait, wait what? Like, <laughs> so, so you're, you're scared right now or are you just, are you joking? Yeah. And people usually tell me it's pretty hard to like to see on my face that I am scared or whatever. That yeah. probably, as I said, build up a pretty good facade or whatever. But sure, yeah. So it gets pretty funny. But that that was a big step, at least, to do that. And after that, it kind of just you know, I'm still super nervous every time I do those. And luckily, I don't do those too often because uh, <laughs> yeah. my my role as a teacher is not you know I, I don't I'm not a theoretical teacher I'm more of a practical yeah yeah and usually just you know we have a small conversation and uh, talk about an assignment an experiment which we were going to do or whatever but mm-hmm. I always try to you know just use it as an opportunity to you know like practice yeah yeah 
So to wrap it up kind of with um, your position now at Brigeria, it's like, tell me about what's your day to day? What does it look like? Like um, how much time do you spend in the skate park actually skating or giving them assignments and stuff like that versus doing presentations like the ones you just mentioned? What's a, a normal day in your life? What does it look like at Brigeria? Uh, skate teacher, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and PE teachers the whole Wednesday. Okay. So the skate class are like a half day kind of course, you know, like we have a three hour lecture. Mm-hmm. Or not, not, it's not a lecture, of course, not like, I guess, skate classes. The class we do on Tuesday, which is in the morning, is more of the theoretical part of the skate class. In the curriculum, it's not called skate. It's called like special PE. Okay. So in the Swedish school system, you have something called like a free school. And Brigrit um, is one of these free schools where it's more like, you know, open and it's more like up to interpretation. What you what you want to call mm-hmm. and what do you want to want to do in this course? So, you know, Marie and John is kind of hacked the system and they figured out like, hey, we can we can actually say that skateboarding is a special PE. Okay, okay. I know there's one school in Sweden who has like wakeboard as a special <laughs> PE. So there's tons of other schools that hack that system. And it's it's not even a hack, you know, it's just a, a good yeah. way to, to interpret uh, the school curriculum. And mm-hmm. But as I said, like you have the special PE and it's in this class, in this subject, there is something that's called träningslära uh, in Swedish, okay. uh, which is like, you know, We just look at it as the theory part of the course. So we, we try to, we do uh, always like every year that um, presentation I did about the uh, like skate psychology. Yeah. We do that every year and uh, that's kind of my thing. Uh, I do that lecture mm-hmm. and I kind of like, you know, finessed it and try to try to make it like improve it and uh, yeah improve yeah, it yeah. and, and it's, it. it's a w- kind of a way for me to measure myself too like, yeah like okay so now this year i did it like that and it was good that didn't work out and then right, right. also we we try to give them assignments afterwards like okay so now we talked about skate psychology and we we usually work in like this like experiment you know assignment form in the skate classes mm-hmm Yeah, so besides, you know, skate psychology, we do skate history. We also try to do, you know, like just experiments in the theoretical course. We, I think next Tuesday, we're going out to like swim in the ocean in the wintertime. Oh, nice. You know, just, just to be like, you know, what's, what's the health benefits of doing that? And what, how did it feel like? And so we, we, try, to, we try to stay, you know, kind of open-minded and, and just try different things. stuff with with the kids and yeah just experiment and, and see well, of course it has to do something with you know the special pe class to do but yeah yeah so uh in the skate course we usually yeah you know like goals that assignment the one that pocket mag film right it's like that assignment me and john we use that assignment as like the frame of skating class okay we say like this is the main thing that we work on like we're going to do this assignment we're going to repeat it like once every half year you know to make the students like keep it in mind because it's such a great assignment not only you know skateboarding but just in life in general mm, it's mm. called like smart goals so it's like right yes yeah i hope i hope i get this right now it's like specific measurable accepted uh, realistic and time limited right right yes so they they basically write down a goal where they have one class into trying to achieve that goal mm-hmm. but 
the goal is not to land the trick itself. The goal is to, you know, have a pinpoint like, okay, this is the direction I'm going to. So if you, if you manage to land the trick, sure thing, that's, that's good and all, but the main goal is just to, you know, strive against something Mm-hmm. And then reflect on it afterwards. And we do that in all kinds of forums. Like we, sometimes we just talk about it pretty loose, you know, just like, hey, how did it, how did it feel? Like, did you manage it? What was the problem? What was the, was it easier than expected? Was it harder than expected? Was there something that came up that was a surprise? Like, mm. was there any fear involved? All that kind of stuff. Like, and we, sometimes they write it. Sometimes we uh, do it in a more like, you know, controlled divide into groups, discussions, and that's how it is kind of. And we try to get as much input from the skaters as possible and ask them like, what do you want to focus on? Like we Mm -hmm. have assignments that are like based on repetition, you know, like do kickflip as many times as you can, you know, on different obstacles. How does it feel? Does it like, how was kickflip number one versus kickflip number 50? Does it get automatized? Like, and how does that feel? Like, does it give you confidence? Can you... Can you flip into something, you know? And uh, okay, of course, w- watch uh, skate videos. We use a lot of My Wars on Thrasher because those are so good, especially with these goals assignments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a perfect demonstration of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. somebody really pursuing a goal. Yeah, and a, a gnarly one. Yeah, yeah, gnarly one. And some people like have a, a My War that lasts for years too. So to put it in perspective, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The one you used and followed was the Dane Bird. 5050 right and uh in yeah, exactly that was a northern yeah i saw i saw the nine club they they did like a commentary on the followed piece and they were like mike was like oh i wish i had like classes where we like watch dame berman try to 50 50 it's so sick <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny yeah, yeah no no clue what brigade is yeah no i think it's uh for for the rest of the world it's i guess it's difficult to wrap your head around what you guys are doing at brigade so I saw that last year, the students at Bligariet did this project with uh, CHPO. Yeah. They did like this cool project with the sunglasses and uh, like the sales kind of uh, paid like the whole trip to the Vladimir Film Festival and everything. Yeah, that was amazing. So I wanted to know if you were involved in this project, for example, or is that something that's a bit in other classes that are not your uh, jurisdiction, so to speak? Or are you involved at all in these kind of projects? I mean, of course... I'm involved in some way, but this specific project, most uh, of those projects are like John's jurisdiction, if you if you would call it that. Right, right. I'm more focused on, you know, the routines and the like, just the classic skate lessons and uh, PE lessons. That's more my jurisdiction and more my focus. And that's really good for me because I love working with that. And, you know, John, he's been doing that for 16 years now, so... Mm he's really passionate about like doing projects that goes further out outside the school but i'm really for me you know this bubble and this school and you know these classes are like a jungle for me still and i'm trying to you know navigate through it all and and i try to like get my you know my color if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah, sure you know I i try to you know like find my place and get comfortable and and more and more i feel like it like John told me that too, not too long ago, like started off with me being his sidekick. Now we're more like in like equals in the classroom, like yeah. talking equal, like having different, you know, project that we are more or less involved in. And I kind of like have a finger in most projects. And uh, as this project went on, he has his own class too, called like design class. 
Okay. So he's also doing that class beside of skating. And that's usually where he invites in the entrepreneurs like Victor and right. CHPO and doing those. And, you know, they're doing some crazy projects now too, which is like incredible. And yeah. I think it's grown over the years. When I went there, we didn't have too much of that. Okay. And I think that's something like, you know, as I said, he's been doing this for so many years. So, you know, that's uh, at least how I see it, like for him to keep this job interesting and to grow and evolve, because that's important. And we talk about it a Absolutely. lot, you know, like if some of us were to like, you know, stop evolving and being like, you know, yeah, I'm just going to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah just because, repeat you know, yourself, basically. Yeah, yeah that, then maybe it's time to like ask yourself, is, is this the right thing? But that's definitely not the case for John because he's yeah. skyrocketing in his um, work here and just doing so many incredible projects with mm -hmm. like, they did one project with the agency in 1993. And I hear now I'm like really talking off from CHPO, but it's just yeah, crazy it's to think about how much stuff he, he's able to, to do and it's just constantly grinding you know <laughs> like there's so often you just come over like hey, hey check this out like i got this dm from you know neil chester or you know some other like industry guy like like <laughs> how to even manage like i like for me you know just to you know focus on the routines and, and doing the skate classes a lot you know but he's mm. just way out there you know getting contacts and uh, coming up with new ideas yeah but that's that's kind of that dynamic i guess back to that question so so it's kind of grown into like he's been maybe that's a good thing too because i feel like i'm doing more and more of the routine work i i you know I kind of fill in uh, some forms, you know, to to get the planning right and, you know, do the, like the daily lessons. I kind of like, I try to brainstorm for new new things. He does that too, of course, because he's like a, you know, his mind is just constantly exploding with ideas, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, but yeah I, I try to like set time, like to use time to sit down and actually like think like, okay, so what should we do ne next week? And a week after that, you know, I'm trying to plan all these things and I do the same thing with my PE things. But John is just like, hey, let's, let's call this guy and let's, let's do this. And, <laughs> and uh, at the same time, and it's that it's like really cool and really, you know, unique. It's really exhausting. Mm -hmm. Even for me, just, you know, being passive in those because it's such a big project, you know, and it's like people coming in from the industry, you know. I can notice that on the students too. Like sometimes it's kind of overwhelming, you know, like, whoa, like we're gonna do a commercial for the new hater collab and we're gonna, oh, like, yeah. you know, have a presentation for the whole 1993 agency and they're gonna pick one winner. And that's, I don't know, I would be terrified. I'm terrified just sitting in the room, you know, just, <laughs> whoa, this is... Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot, but but at the same time, it's so such a unique and crazy cool thing, and that's yeah, amazing to work on projects like that when you're that yeah, age. Like, I that's, know that's it's just uh, it's surreal. Yeah, and uh, in some way, I feel like I hope at least that he feels you know comfortable and more reliable on me to hold the routines, to hold the schedules, yeah. and and like keep the quality of the because. You know, when you do all that stuff that he does, it's kind of impossible to keep track of all the routines and stuff sure. at the same time. So sometimes, you know, John can can be like so deeply involved with his project that like I see sometimes like a role that needs to be filled. Like, okay, so, okay, you do that. Like, I'm, I'll support you full all the way. And of course, I, I love being involved with them. But mm. like most time I just... For me, it's really good and um, and I enjoy, you know, just to keep it in the on the low, you know, with the routines, the assignments, the lectures, and mm -hmm. you know, he he could go into any lectures he 
as I said, he's been doing it for so long. He could go in not prepared at all and just like drag a bunny out of his hat and say, hey, let's do this today. Now, like, <laughs> I need to like focus. I need to think about it. I need to like be prepared to some mm. some extent. So that's kind of the dynamic. Like I'm more the boring guy and <laughs> sitting no, with the routines and sitting all. with the, the planning and, and, and we have a meeting once a week and I tell him like, yeah, I've been thinking maybe we should do this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, that sounds sick. Maybe we should do this too. Like, yeah, cool. Mm. And yeah, and, and also I have this new crazy project. Like, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> like <laughs> yep but yeah it's it's amazing it looks like you two are very complementary like in your personalities and how you approach this uh, skate teaching uh, role yeah yeah i think so it works out pretty well we cooperate well Some of the very best skaters in the world right now have come through Brigariets. I mean, there's, of course, you, Sarah Merle, is one of the OGs from the school. Oski, yeah. Deeds, Villa, who just turned pro, Hator. And outside of pro skaters, there's also some amazing talents that have come out of the school, like uh, Jakob Uvgren from Polar, Tor Strom, the filmer, and many, many other people. And so I was wondering, like, among the current students that are in the school right now, who would you say are some people that, you know, the world needs to keep an eye on? Who do you think is like the next uh, Hator, the next uh, Deeds, the next uh, Tor, the next uh, Stefan Osterheim? <laughs> well, I don't like to favorize, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna bump some students out right? with your answer now. Nah, <laughs> no, I don't think so. But first and foremost, I want to say they're, they're so great, all the students. And... Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much different stuff that they all contribute with, not only skate-wise, but uh, I just really think they're amazing students and uh, and they're so talented and there's so much more to them than just, you know, skating as well. But we're talking about skateboarding, so I'll, I'll keep to that subject. But um, right now, there are a third grader in uh, Brigitte called Koffe Kroon. Okay. He's like a Terminator. He's like a machine. Like, And he's more like a competition skater okay then a street skater but he 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 got that too like he's mostly rail skater so he he should definitely go over to the u.s and just show them who's the boss you know <laughs> <laughs> now he got some gnarly stuff going on he's like when he came here like 15 years old he did like a late shove front board late shove out so that's his like signature wow. move yeah <laughs> okay. it's, it's super weird and he does like late shove back lip too he's like he got them wow. on lock it's like yeah. the weirdest trick ever but yeah, it's, yeah. it's must be hard to make that look good because that's how yeah 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 i yeah, know but but he, he kind of he doesn't he, he pulls it off good yeah he pulls it off i would say and especially since it's like his signature uh -huh. and he he went to tampa m he like qualified first in like the pre-qualifier and in his run he you know he got all those like major competition tricks going down with that like a cab back lips, the 270 lips, the kick for front blunts every time. And being in that world right now, it's such a hard competition going on right now. Like if you don't do like foot front blunt flip out, like you're you're not even close to being in like the semis, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The consistency is uh, ridiculous nowadays. Yeah, yeah, and the level. And for me, it kind of loses the, you know, charm when it's tray foot front blunt big spin. But anyway, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's impressing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Impressive. And he skates really well. And he's, I think he, he's a good style and he does it in his own way. And that's 
kind of the cool thing mm-hmm. about him and it's a really nice dude as well so yeah Koffer Kron in, in third grade is uh, definitely one that's gonna take place I uh, hope to see him in uh, in the future in, especially in like street league and stuff he would yeah. Yeah, he's, he's got that Terminator mindset Terminator style <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, also we have um, Vilma Stoll in the third grade oh yeah 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 she's amazing I love yeah, her yeah 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 you probably know her yeah she's rad as a skater like super tech you know me and her like nollie practice, front heels uh, yeah nollie front heels she, she got the switch trace going down okay I, uh, nice. that's kind of kind of my trick too yeah so, for uh, sure so we kind of we do them do them together every now and then but yeah like the most humble and nicest person too so mm. but yeah she she's got something something going on for sure so vilma is uh watch out for her mm-hmm. and um i would say one more coming out of denmark it's called niklas uh, benjam like danish skater he skates for eva skateboards nike, oh, nike yeah. sp flow i think but uh he's starting to get some shine mm-hmm. but uh he has like his style is just so good cool yeah, he's for me. He has the best style. Just you know, maybe not the most technical. He's gnarly, but you know, who certain types of skaters just has has really good style. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those. Like when I watch him skate, and when I watch like the tricks he he chooses and how he does it, and so uh, yeah, and he has that motivation and drive, and also really good personality, really nice kid, you know. Awesome. Those three, I would I would leave it at that and just say that uh, all all the students are equally as much worth. Okay, so I usually wrap up the interviews with uh, the same question with every guest, which is, it's a kind of a cheesy question, but I think it can bring some interesting answers. It's basically what's the most valuable lesson that you feel that you've learned from skating? Okay, so uh, cheesy question, I'll give you a cheesy answer. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I like the cheesy questions. Just bring it. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, skating is all about trial and error. And... Uh, we talk about that in class too, but it, it is really like, it is a great thing to learn early on that like, you know, it's not about being the best. It's not about doing the coolest stuff. Mm. We talk a lot about being try hard. That's the thing the students uh, like to say, like, oh, it's, it's not cool to be try hard. You should just make it look easy and just cruise around. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like skating is the most try hard thing you can do. Mm. How many of you guys can say that you didn't try hard to learn a kickflip or a tray flip? Like that, that, sure. can, yeah. that takes so much trying and failing. Yeah. But at some point, I think many people lose that drive about like try and fail. They kind of like, you know, develop, develop, develop to a certain extent. And they like, they get into a comfort zone and they just stay there and just like, oh, yeah. this is cozy. Like I want to do my, you know, kick for 50-50s or, you know, tray flips. Right. So. You stay within the same realm of skating. Yeah, yeah. And then skateboard gets boring like everything else. But that's what it is for me, you know, that skating is a... Uh, it's all about trying and failing and you know the more you fail the more you learn so mm. and i i try to, to at least in my job for me coming into it being so insecure and being so scared of failing mm-hmm. i just told myself like hey when you started skateboarding what did you do you just failed you failed you failed until you got it right and that's exactly the same thing that's going to make it work in your job you're just gonna be the best at failing yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty cheesy answer for you. No, right no, there. but it's <laughs> no, but it's, it's very true, and it's uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Okay, let's wrap it up with the friends questions. So let's start with this very first one. Yo, Stefan, you guy. I have a question. 
As a 16-year-old shrimp, you went to Brigriet and came to Malmo. You graduated and then you kind of disappeared for a while, went on your own journey. But now you're back. And I wonder what's the biggest change that you see between Malmo then and Malmo today? Oh, wow. That's a great question there, Yuga. Thank you for that one. The biggest change? <laughs> okay, this is going to be my answer. I don't know if this was uh, what he was looking for. But um, when I went to Brigriet, 2010 till 2013, the trend was like, you know, tight pants, chinos, all that stuff. Yeah. And that's where kind of where I left. I disappeared, as you guys said. I disappeared and uh, just, you know, lived my life. Came back with the same tight chinos and like people were just wearing big boys all over the place, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. looking like they came straight out of the 90s. I was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, like, what are you guys, what are you guys wearing? Like, are you from the 90s or something? And they looked at me like, what are you wearing? Like, <laughs> what's up with you, man? Like, you got like this medium t-shirt and this, you know, 32 sized slim chino. You look like a guy who's supposed to go to Wall Street or something. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, wasn't that like the way we're supposed to look like at the end? And they were like, probably hating on me a bunch but uh <laughs> but yeah i i kind of converted into that bag and that was like from the beginning i was like a, a baggy kid who and i really found back to that style and, and really like it now so yeah. yeah that was probably one of <laughs> the big differences. changes yeah, yeah. The, the baggy pants and the the 90s style all the, all the way back and maybe like you know skate wise when i left people were like it was a lot about you know the tricks Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a lot about, like, the difficulty in the tricks. Okay. Nowadays, it's so much more about identity and style. Style, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so, like, people still care about, like, the tricks, of course. But, like, more than ever, people are, you know, care about, like... Looking good. Yeah, how the person look, how they mm. act. Like, as I said, identity. Like, skateboarding has always been pretty close to identity, but now more than ever. Like, I see they mm -hmm. they care so much. They're so self-conscious about how they look, how they do the stuff they do. And and also a bonus one for you, Yoga, it's, uh, it's the Muska Flip. It's back and it's full on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> back in the day when you did those Muska Flip, you would have been hanged, man. You couldn't do that. Now, yeah, yeah, nowadays, yeah. They, they do Muska Flips all day, man. Okay, next question is from Roar Colnes. Colnes yes, yeah, like that. perfect. Roar, Roar. So he said, if you had a whole day where you could do anything you wanted, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Classic, <laughs> classic Roar. <laughs> what would I do? I'll just go with this, that uh, like I'm really into like routines and trying to find, you know, a good way of like making my life quality just yeah be good you know yeah, yeah so for me a good day would be to just you know get up early in the morning but not too early maybe like eight or nine i do cold showers every morning to just to get the, oh, the yeah. blood flowing in the body and it, for me it's just <laughs> i'm not a human before i do that cold shower i'm like i'm like a zombie <laughs> yeah, after yeah. those two minutes and like fully cold i just like <sighs> but even better than that would be to go to the sauna i try to do that oh, once yeah. a week to go to the sauna and uh, i did it today actually it was it was amazing mm -hmm. i go to the sauna for like 45 minutes just swim in the ocean go to the sauna like back and forth three times then make a cup of coffee read a book for uh, like 20 minutes time 
and uh, I don't eat breakfast, so I eat lunch. So lately, I've been really into like, or this is funny because we went to the US LA for like a month, and I made pancakes every day for like a month, <laughs> like okay. really like you know the American style sugary yeah. uh, garbage. But uh, I try to make them more healthy back home here. So yeah, but make some great pancakes. Okay with some syrup and uh, just enjoy that meal mm-hmm. probably put on like a really like nostalgic video latest video i've been uh, really into i get like crazy hang-ups on like nostalgic old skate videos like habitat mosaic i saw for like a three months straight oh, pretty really? recently wow. but recently i've been like really into like the old america videos for some reason like this is skateboarding stay gold but stay gold is not that old in my head but uh 2010 around there yeah 2010 yeah yeah, that's right i was on the premiere in copenhagen i just moved to malmo that was good memory but yeah like watching a good old nostalgic skate video eating my brekkie and uh you know called up the homies get on a session Mm -hmm. preferably outside in the streets i'm a big plaza guy so you know plaza swampen local spot here in malmo or plaza van hem also a really good plaza Maybe go for a couple hour session and then go grab something to eat with the homies and then uh, maybe go on a mission after that. See mm-hmm. if there's anything to film. And then, uh, yeah, in the evening, just make some proper good either Thai or Mexican food with my girl and hang out, watch a bad movie and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then go to sleep. That's basically my life now and I love it. So uh, That's a pretty sick day right there, yeah. Maybe a kind of boring answer because no, it's not no, like, no, no, yeah, no, you no. know, I would hang out with Tom Cruise and, you know, I would do a backflip down a cliff. But the weird thing is, like, the older Tom that Cruise. I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just a random, I don't know. That's funny. Random thing. I just, he was in Norway. Maybe that's why <laughs> I came up with that name. But anyway, you know, the funny thing is, like, the older I become, the more I realize that, you know, that's pretty much it in life, you know, if I get to do these things and, uh, I get to share with my friends and uh, hang out yeah. with my Malmö homies, Macke Bengtsson, Love, Yuga, Jon, Slomo and um, Michelle and everyone. Mm. And of course, my Norwegian homies, Roar, uh, Erik, all of those, Jaran, all of those guys. I'm more than happy, more than blessed and thankful. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. guess that's it, Roar. That's my day in a life. Come on. <laughs> Come hang out with me next time and we'll do it all. Yeah, He's yeah, a- yeah. Big, big wuss goes swimming in the ocean, so uh, <laughs> so I don't think he would actually be into it. But uh, I'll Not try. I'll try to. Day, yeah. <laughs> after this podcast, he he might just uh, try to try to do it. So okay, the next one. Let's see, dear Stefan. Even though I spend almost every day with you, I can't wait to listen to your interview because there's always, always, always new insight, thoughts, and ideas that seem to come out of your popcorn brain and that's one really impressive and two something i'm very grateful to be around and um, we teach together and i know we have a lot in common but we also have a very different approach to teaching at times and i want to ask you what do you think your biggest skills are as a teacher and what do you think it takes to be a good teacher on a practical level and on a philosophical level. Thank you so much for being you. Looking forward to your interview. Thanks. Bye. Well, of course, he, uh, he just threw me right into the teacher philosophical. I mean, <laughs> we, we, we're like that. We talk about those things all the time. So yeah, 
biggest skill to become a good teacher in my world is just stay humble, I guess. And that, I, I see that as a skill, like as I talked about earlier, there's so many teachers that like, you know, they go to school, they work and they find a way to cope with, you know, the job and, and the, being professional and all that. And they just like, you know, have a set of assignments and a, a way that they do it and they just stick with that. And I think that's a terrible way to be a teacher. I mm. think that's like, if you want to be a teacher, for one, I have huge respect for all teachers out there, even the ones that are doing it, like I, I just said, because it's such a demanding job and it's such a teaching is just not easy. It's just there's not like one specific way to do it. So yeah. to stay humble in your work and to be able be flexible also, I think being flexible and understand that, you know, we're teaching individuals, human beings that are have individual needs and individual way to learn hmm. and that we, we should never get stuck in a curriculum or a box where it's like, no, nah, it's, it's this, this is it. Like, if the student doesn't fit in here, like it's the student's fault. That's not teaching for me. Uh-huh. That's just, you know, saying that this is what teaching should be. Yeah. And not acknowledging the fact that teaching is not about like saying what somebody should do or learn. It's about actually making the student learn. And if you, if you have that mindset and if you have that flexibility with you in your job and you're, you're prepared to let everything you ever learned go, the second you hear a student say, this is not working for me, mm-hmm. then then you're, in my head, the greatest teacher of all time, the GOAT. If you're able to teach and not teach solely from your ego and what you learn, and if you're able to be flexible enough to and humble enough to... Uh, adapt. Yeah, to adapt and be new every day. Yeah, to come yeah, into yeah, the yeah. classroom and be like, this is what I did the last time, but it's not necessarily what I'm, I'm going to do the next time. So. Yeah. Hope that's uh, philosophical enough for you, John. So thank you for that question. Okay, this next question is from uh, Luwe Riedstern. Yes, Luwe Riedstern, my man, my man, my homie. So it's kind of linked to what we were talking about earlier. He said, in what style of pants do you think you skate the best? <laughs> <laughs> tight, tight and red or baggy and black? <laughs> tight and red, that's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a quick one in, uh, in the backstory of that, that red pants. Uh, <laughs> as I said, I had a, a bit of a um, midlife crisis, but I would call it, you know, uh, a really weird period after, after Bugriet and after like, you know, trying to find myself, trying to be, uh, be me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my girlfriend at the time, she, she found a couple of pants on a vacation we went on super like red super tight pants <laughs> i mean they were like just like skinny ah, yeah. just glued into my legs and just red just like flash your eyes like ah they're disgusting wow and uh yeah at the time i, I kind of thought they were pretty cool i was like yeah these are pretty sick you know and it's like this is different this is not skateboarding this is something else and i really craved to be myself you know to, to switch yeah, it up yeah, and yeah. uh and uh yeah we went to copenhagen open 2013 2012 i don't know but uh yeah i came pulled up with those red pants and i <laughs> i kind of have you seen way disarmo the way he like uh, pulls up his pants i, I did oh, the same yeah. The same thing. So I, I like, I kind of pulled up the pants with the red uh, <laughs> and filmed, filmed an edit with Colin Clark. 
and the clip is online it's like uh oh, I, I need to skating find around yeah. <laughs> skating around the fellet park in in, uh, in copenhagen with those red pants you know kick for crooking rails and stuff and it's just oh, wow. it looks ridiculous and uh <laughs> and i had a part in a, a video called uslo 5 okay uh norwegian video really good by jorgen johansson shout out to that guy he's an amazing videographer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh yeah had red pants during the whole video it just looks horrible <laughs> man and we've been joking around with those ever since you know the red pants era was uh <laughs> was funny. but the question was which pants do i think i skate the best yes. in? right now it's of course it's for sure the baggy ones mm. because i feel really comfortable in those and i for me it was like kind of finding back home to my original style or whatever you want to call it but mm-hmm. it was really good for me to come back in the in the a bit bigger pants i'm not like the gnarliest one i have no like, for huge, sure yeah, yeah but i have like more against the baggy approach mm-hmm. and uh, i feel really good in those and uh, skate more low impact more ledges and more like tall stuff so it feels comfortable and uh, it just feels good but you know at one point i love the tight pants i thought that was <laughs> so sick at like you know zero time period oh, i yeah, love yeah, the yeah. zero videos and i watched all that and i felt like when i skated rails the tight pants were like sick they gave me extra power so you know at one point maybe the red pants too gave me some powers i don't know interesting but yeah, yeah yeah it's funny to imagine you skating rails in red tight pants today <laughs> like, it's pretty yeah, yeah. i need to sure. find this footage that's, that's, yeah, uh, that's, that's hilarious. that is it is weird so uh, thanks for that luva <laughs> thanks for reminding me about the red pants area everyone go look that up it looks tight man <laughs> if you ever want to switch it up put on some red pants and just go okay next one let's see yo stefan i've known you for three years now and uh, every time I come to talk, like uh, you always uh, listen and share your own experiences and you inspire and motivate and everyone, you do this to everyone. So my question is, who inspires you to be you? This is a student. It's August. His name, I think it's uh, N- Nipan. Yeah, August Nipan. I recognize the voice straight away. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you, August, for that question. That's, um, that's a good one. I appreciate <laughs> it a lot. Well, first and foremost, I need to say, of course, John. Yeah. He's been a huge influence and uh, he's great talking. He's a coach, he's a social worker and he's, he's open and he's, uh, he helps a lot with sharing his experience, sharing his thoughts, feelings and, you know, tools and whatever. But other than that... Because that's like an easy way out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, other than that, I will, I will definitely give the crown to my girlfriend, Fenya, and, and my mom. They're like my biggest support. I have a lot of friends too. Like, shout out to all my, my close friends, Jaran, Henning, uh, Erik, Gustav, all of the homies. Mm. So many more, but I can't mention all of them. But yeah, I have so many people that I talk to about life when when I'm feeling not feeling good and when I'm having a hard time. I just I usually call call one of them, like my friends or especially my mom, and uh, and I talk to my girl a lot about how I'm feeling and their support and their always there for you. Yeah, yes, yeah, so much and just you know, even though it's not all always you know talking it's just listening and that's what's inspiring me 100 percent. you know i just love to talk and listen and just sharing experience with everyone and especially my students because i can relate so much to being you know a vulnerable teenager who is lost and you know mm. trying to navigate through life with all these you know and especially these days you know it's so much pressure yeah 
Yeah, just being a kid to being an adult to being like, you know, successful and what is success and yeah, what is yeah. a good life and what's important, what's not, you know. Mm-hmm. People don't have a clue. It, like, even though you say, you know, like when you're a kid, you think that grownups, you know, know it all and whatever, but... They don't. <laughs> I'm not trying to get all sentimental here, but it's just, it's just something I really, really care about. So, yeah, mm-hmm. all of those people. And August like talking to him too and uh, all the kids there's such a such a privilege to just be able to work and talk with them and, and yeah. it gives me that's maybe the, the weirdest part it gives me just as or maybe more than it gives them sometimes talking to them because giving to others is the greatest gift you can have so 100% I have another student question for you let's see yo I have known Stefan for a long time like since I was a kid and uh, he's like the best ska- skateboarder ever for me, like, he skates like a pro, but, like, he's not really a pro. And, like, my, my question is, like, how do you maintain that grind, but you're not living off it? Like, what motivates you to just wake up every day and just switch hard down the stair, nolly crook up the stair? Like, what? What's up? Well, Halftan, I heard that pretty yes, quick. Yes, you recognized uh, his voice? Yeah, yeah. Hal- Halftan Gottlibsen Johansen. He's the homie. And yeah, he's from the same town as me, so I know him. Oh, he's okay. Also the cool. Little kid, seeing him around, so it's kind of it's kind of cool to follow him now. Nice. But yeah, Halftan, uh, to maintain, you know, it's my ego. <laughs> <laughs> it's my ego that drives, you know, that's the true answer. Like, I would like to answer something else that's like, yeah, I'm doing it for the love, but it, yeah, it's pretty much my, <laughs> mostly it's my ego and uh, my ego wants me to, you know, be good. Me and my, my ego wants me to switch hard down the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I've been battling that ego uh, for years For a now. number of years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and actually, the feeling of conquering and the feeling of doing something that is hard to you, like, it doesn't mean to be a switch hard down the set can be could be just a basic trick because some what's i found pretty funny is that some days you know kickflipping on a hip is just horrible it's just super hard because you know for me it's it's so much therapy in skating now Mm -hmm. to be having those issues that i've been living with for years you know just some days it's not even like used to try to skate but like most days it's it's such a therapeutic thing to just getting to a flow state and yeah struggle with a trick because you know when you struggle in your mind to take that outside and struggle with something else you know struggling with a nollie crook up a ledge which is pretty hard you know just like oh okay if i just pop here and just uh, you just constantly grind and do that thing that's what it's evolved to at least like before it's for sure been you know something outside myself like i want to go pro i want to get sponsored and all of that but and when i started skating again i kind of missed out on that part i like instantly caught that flame like so quick because when i was like 26 i started skating again a lot filming video parts and and i thought that like that was in the past like that's no more but as soon as i started again that fire just sparked straight away and and i got so motivated and i was like oh no no I, I, like i missed out like i like i can still do this like this is like this is what i need to do this is going to make me happy mm-hmm. and then like you know after the years went by i i figured that like no i'm i'm just fooling myself once again and thinking this is the way out and this is going to make me happy when as i said when you get older you realize that like happiness is depending on like who you have around you and exactly what you fill your current life with not like what's in you know in the future or something you know that's in a dream dream world but anyways 
so at some point you know i i thought about that you know skate for fun thing and like yeah just like it's just skating for fun and just how about you know just not doing switch hard from done anything anymore and just not doing hard tricks and just you know enjoy it mm. but i enjoy i enjoy it and of course my ego is a big uh, part of that but also just as i said just stepping outside my head and just you know constantly grinding and just a boost of landing and feeling like you're in control and fronts are flipping and like just feeling like i can flip i can catch like mm. there's no way i'm missing this it's a it's a really good feeling it gives me a good feeling probably like just ton of endorphins and dopamine yeah, <laughs> connected yeah, yeah. to all of it yeah motivation and drive i guess okay this one is from your brother stian oh is that how you say yes, his name yes yes stian yes right so he so said cool. what is the best memory we have shared together oh wow. it's kind of a vast question yeah, <laughs> hard, so, hard to answer so on the spot many. but <laughs> so many oh i love my brother thank you stian for asking that so uh i think the norwegian championships like 2007 like i was 14 years old and humble bragging once again i won <laughs> i won that year but uh but i just remember him being by my side all the time filming me and at the time i was kind of you know like a shit kid 14 years old all on my own yeah stuff and you know i didn't i didn't give him enough gratitude and i gave i i, I was i was too much in my own head but mm. yeah just him being present him being there like filming and you know doing his thing he made the first skate video that was ever in like 2005 and i remember really well sitting with him editing and watching the footage that he filmed he made this small like we were a crew me Gustav and my friend Eric mm -hmm. made like these small like edits from this month or right. whatever but I'll go with that memory just the uh, Norwegian championship 2007 just being by my side filming me and supporting me and mm. yeah there's a good picture of me doing a you know flip backs at lip side or something he'd be in behind the film I just remember I remember that picture so well like wow he was really there all the time so yeah that's amazing yeah. thank you for that all right let's do this one Hello guys, Marcus here. I hope all is well with you. My question for you, Stefan, is about your current work as a skateboard teacher. How do you keep yourself motivated and how do you keep yourself inspired to do the work you do? And how do you approach a problem with a student that doesn't want to perform in the class as you and Jon maybe expect them to do? How do you solve that? Or like, what's your go-to agenda or train of thoughts in those kind of situations thank you so much enjoy the rest of the podcast and uh, be on boards for life <laughs> bye bye <laughs> <laughs> oh Macke. the funny part is i skated with him just before this interview oh, and okay. i told him like hey Macke, i'm going to i'm going to do this interview for uh beyond boards i'm so nervous i was like what for real that's so sick man and I, he knew all the time yeah he knew all the yeah, time even yeah that's why it was so hyped of course he had a question in there yeah but thank thanks Macke Macke's one of my my best friends so we're closest friends so I appreciate it coming on and asking those hard questions right away <laughs> straight off the bat but uh how I keep motivated and this is pretty controversial but I try to not skate too much okay like starting as i told you early on i skated a lot just to compensate for not performing in class too well yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, that's pretty funny because probably that's what a lot of students do as well so can relate but uh yeah 
I try to not skate. I try to like be really precise about taking days off, you know, like yeah. not skating every class, at least not skating every day. And um, in the winter time, I skate more at school and at work because, you know, it's rainy and shitty outside, yeah, so you yeah. can't really skate. And then I don't skate during the afternoons, which kind of kills the social part of it, mm -hmm. which is pretty hard to balance, I have to be honest. I skate Saturdays most part for myself with my friends, like yeah, old boys skate, 30 years old now. So I'm, uh, but I've been there for a couple of years anyways. <laughs> but yeah, like, and it's pretty challenging, I would say. To, like, it's a luxury problem to be like, you know, tired of skating and like have too much time to skate, especially in this age, in this situation. But, but yeah, like I try to like be really precise about like when I skate, how I skate and yeah. And how I skate is pretty, it's pretty important too. You know, if I, if I burn myself out every session, like I used to do, I have no juice left for like anything else in life. And I, I like to live an active lifestyle, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. working out is still a part of my life. I try to bike every now and then mm -hmm. go on bike rides, swim. So if I want to have like energy over, I need to um, recover. So not put all your energy in skating and keep some yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah. For Sure. Yeah, and you know, like talking about balance is hate that word because it's not existing in my world. So yeah, I just exactly the same as I do with skating. I just try and fail all the time. Like sometimes, to be honest, I'm like really not motivated to skateboard and like been injuries coming back and forth and still struggling with some knee injuries and this and that. And that can take away the, the driving motivation. But one thing that I've been really trying hard to focus on lately is to enjoy the small things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. John always laughs at me like when we do these goals exercises like yeah my goal is to not flip into stuff it's like <laughs> what you're talking about like not flipping into stuff like that's a weird goal but yeah for me like to go and skate it's so connected with you know challenging myself and doing hard stuff so I try to learn to go skate and just enjoy you know ollies do simpler 50, 50 simpler grinds. things for you exactly yeah, do I the see. simple stuff and you know just be present in it enjoy mm. it just you know be mindful of like how does it feel really when i pop or where i pop and you can make skateboarding challenging by skating basic too you don't necessarily need to flip in or flip out you can make it super hard like take more speed take a different angle you know pop yeah. way earlier and it all you know contributes to you know your skate bank or whatever you want to call mm. it so and i'm i'm really into all of this stuff like i listen to a lot of podcasts about you know psychology and stuff so i try mm. to implement some of those tools too you know andrew huberman and all those guys oh yeah 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 so I, I don't know, I just try to keep it fun, try out different angles all the yeah, time. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know, what's the last thing he asked about? Oh, yeah, it was like about how do you approach a problem with a student ah, yeah. that doesn't really yeah, yeah. want to perform in yeah, the that class? That was the hard one. At least uh, in the way that you and John would expect him to. Yeah, okay, so, and that happens too, of course. Of course mm. it does. Well, what I try to do is just to ask, I never, or we never work with, you know, like reward and punishment. We don't believe in that, that approach at all. Mm -hmm. I think it's uh, unproductive and uh, really, really a bad way. So what we do, if a student is unmotivated, we ask them, we try to talk to them. Like, yeah, like what's wrong? What's up? 
yeah not not really what's wrong it's just more like how are you feeling what are you into because usually if a student is not performing not skateboarding is kind of avoiding stuff and not interested in what we're talking about it's probably because they're interested in something else or maybe just burned out mm. i usually try to you know approach it with being interested in them asking what's important for you what's where's your head at yeah yeah where's your head at right now like what do you need what can i do like is there anything else you rather do right now and and if it's not if they're not interested in anything else either i would expect it to be something like a problem and if there's a problem like if there's uh, an issue mm-hmm. that's standing in the way then i'm even more excited to talk to the student and ask like what's up like what's happening in your brain what's happening in your body is there anything I could do? Is there anybody you're talking to? So yeah, and you know, eventually, if the student's not performing and if, if student's not skating and if student's not doing anything, they will end up with an F. And that's yeah. not the end of the world. Like, you know, people get an F all the time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't see that as a, as a big issue either. And that's rarely the case in the skate shop. Like, so mm. if that were to happen, I would think it's, uh, it's for the better. It's like, okay, you got an F. So that was probably because this wasn't for you and uh, good luck further on and just do your thing. But we'll, of course, try to motivate them, come down to the park and just be there. Mm. But we never force them to perform. We never say like, you have to skateboard. Yeah, we yeah. always just, we try to motivate them and we try to get the group to motivate them and uh, but if the student's not motivated not engaging in anything they'll do something else i guess so i have a few from your friend eirik that you mentioned a few times yep. eirik svensson so he said who is your all-time favorite norwegian skater the second one is what's the heaviest you ever bench pressed <laughs> <laughs> Third one is, why can't your stiff ass still not do a melon grab after all that stretching? <laughs> uh, I'll do this as a rapid fire. Okay, okay. All-time favorite Norwegian skater. Oh, it's so hard to choose, but I'll, I'll give this to um, to Karsten Kleppan. He's such an ATV, just gnarly. Okay, yeah. but it's a rapid fire, so just let's continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing, yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. So the, the heaviest you've ever bench pressed? The heaviest ever bench pressed, uh, 130 kilos. Wow. Yeah, Damn. that was uh, age 25 in Copenhagen. No steroids, clean, just pumped iron every day, pretty basically. But yeah, that's not that's not the case anymore, though. But uh, Okay. But yeah, 130 kilograms. And um, and for the last question, why am I uh, uh, stiff ass? Why can't stiff ass still not still do a melograph? Yeah. Well... That's a really good question. It bumps me out every time I try because I just can't get my arm down and grab that melon. <laughs> it's so hard for me. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just gave up on that trick so long ago. And he's got the best melons. He even got kickflip melons. But yeah, I just I hate that <laughs> trick. <laughs> yeah. My answer is just, I hate it. It's a whack trick. There you go. There it is. <laughs> there you Take go. it. Okay, let's do this next one. Let's see. Hey, Kantan, and hi, Stefan. Nice. I'm looking forward to listening to your podcast, Stefan. Uh, Stefan is a great guy and an amazing skater, and also one of the most calculated skaters I know. So uh, I would like to hear a little bit more about Stefan's approach to uh, measuring things, putting his shoulders straight, like skateboarding as a math equation. So, yeah, talk about that, Stefan. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, if you would ask my dad if I had a mathematic approach <laughs> to anything in life, he would uh, 
not believe it. <laughs> yeah, he would kind of laugh at that. But uh, anyways, thank you for the question, Tom. That was, uh, was a good one. And um, measuring things just kind of started as a weird... Everyone has like a measure app on their iPhone. Mm -hmm. So I started just like measuring things I skated, everything from like flat gaps to like pledges. And I found it kind of exciting because it was like a, a way to like get perspective on like, you know, sometimes you skate a ledge and it feels really tall and you skate another ledge and it looks really tall, but it's not that tall. It's like sometimes your eyes are in your perception can kind of fool you. Yeah. So I was like, hey, why don't I just like have a like real measure, you know, stick or whatever and just measure everything I skate. So I, I know the height and I like even though it's not always the case that you're like, okay, so this is the same height, so I should be able to do it. Sometimes you just not, but yeah, it's definitely like interesting. And I'm a huge, you know, skate nerd. And I, I love to like skate safari when I travel and me and my girl went to Barcelona in uh, summertime. Right. And you know, Tiago skates the tallest ledges. And I told my girl like, hey, we just need to go over like in this corner real quick. He's like, why? And like, I'm just gonna measure. Oh, no this, way. This so I measured all the ledges he skated and I was like, okay, this is 75 this is 84 and it's like it just blows my mind to, yeah. to like see and actually get the measure which is kind of a mathematic approach i guess i think i remember actually seeing a story of yours on instagram <laughs> uh of this uh, thing uh, yeah. i think that tag was switched from crooked in the primitive exactly video, right? exactly yeah. yeah yeah that was 75 and that's pretty tall to switch from crooked <sighs> And yeah. pop into like a garage. Yeah, and he did the, it so the, well, yeah. like so better. Yeah, and I, yeah. I put it on my stories and I put the trick in there. Yeah, so it's yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of funny. but. And your girlfriend is very patient to uh, <laughs> come <laughs> yeah, with you and measure yeah, spots. That's her. amazing. She's the best. She keep up with me, even though I'm measuring stuff on vacation. But yeah, I don't know why, why I have that approach. I'm, I guess I'm kind of a perfectionist, as we talked about earlier yeah, on. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing because I'm not the perfectionist in, in so many other things in life. At least I, I don't myself think so. I'm pretty like, you know, kind of like, ah, whatever on mm -hmm. like a lot of things. But, but skating, I think in particular skating, because skating has been such a big part of my identity and like who I am. And yeah. and uh, I've been putting a lot of my self-esteem in that. So I want that to look the best it can be you know yeah really picky on you know small things and it can go over to you know the unhealthy you know perfectionist uh, side but yeah most part i just really i really enjoy looking at a proper clean you know trick yeah and just you know i'm really nerdy about how you flick how you grind how's your posture and everything so yeah it's just a uh, an hobby of mine i guess and mm -hmm. it's just uh, a really nerdy thing so. It reminded me like uh, what you just said uh, about measuring a spot. It's not really the same thing, but I watched this like old epically latered on Andrew Reynolds who yeah. tapped three times, whatever, you know, yes. his board, his the madness. wall next to the spot, whatever it is, you know. It's kind of like this little routine to kind of get into the flow of I'm going to try this difficult trick or whatever it is, you know, especially if yeah. it's an early set or something. And does it kind of reassure you to like, for example, if you measure a rail and to have this figure now that you know, okay, it's 80 centimeters at the top, whatever. Is it kind of comforting for you to know it and makes it a bit more approachable all of a sudden or? Definitely. It definitely helps. Yeah, it helps me to, to realize that it's actually possible. And yeah. sometimes it, it works against its um, purpose. 
purpose yeah it's just you know i had this one session last summer where i i came in so confident because i had measured it with my phone which is like really not accurate at all and i was just like yeah yeah i'll definitely be able to switch for backtail this ledge it's like 55 centimeters mm. and i've been switch for backtailing like 60 no problem <laughs> the weekend before came out couldn't do it couldn't get up on it i was like how is this possible like i did measure this this is I'm supposed to be able to pop on. Yeah. And I ran into the store, which is like straight across the street. I was like asking like, hey, can I borrow a measure stick? Like, <laughs> why? Just like, I'm just going to measure this ledge. It's like, okay, here we go. And I measured it. And it was like 68. I was like, ah, oh, okay, there you go. Like, then it kind of worked against its purpose. But yeah, most times <laughs> it just... It just helps me to get like a perspective, like, okay, it's, it's this tall, like it's doable. And you can process it better in your mind, kind of. Yeah. 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 And uh, of course, madness. Uh, I got a lot of that too, you know. Most skaters, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Most skaters are like OCD. Uh... <laughs> that's what makes them good. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I have a question from, I don't know if you know this guy, his name is Arnaud de Dieu. He runs a school in France called Shifty. Yeah, I heard of that. Yeah, right, who's sort of an equivalent to Brigariets, even though it's after high school, it's not a high school. Yeah. He asked a few things, but I'll just uh, do one question from him. He said, do you feel your students get bored sometimes, not realizing the privilege of being part of such a customized program? I guess he says that because he probably experiences that himself in his uh, program over there in Shifty in Bordeaux. But uh, does that happen? I'm sure it happens, but like, uh, how, how do you deal with that? The answer is yes, very much so. I guess for the people from the outside, that sounds crazy, but there is something that happens as soon as you institutionalize your passion. Yeah. I mean, when somebody tell you to step on your skateboard from half past one till four and say, now you are supposed to skateboard, you are getting graded and you're doing assignments. Mm -hmm. It can be tricky. It takes the fun out of it a bit. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe for this school in France, it's different because they're like, you know, in a certain age where they maybe may have developed and maybe they stick with it. But especially in the teens, you know, mm. there's not everyone. There's a lot of students that quit skateboarding. I myself, I got burned out yeah, skating, yeah. you know, so I can relate a lot to the feeling a lot of students have. And uh, for sure, it's hap it happens all the time. And people are and sometimes the students may have been skating like the whole week. And the night before, and then we're supposed to skate Friday evening and they're like, ah, oh, I'm over it. You know, like, I don't want to skate right now. Yeah. And it's hard to be that teacher, you know, forcing them and saying, you know, like, yeah, but you know, this is skate class. This is when you're supposed to skate because I can't just say like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You, you skated yesterday. No problem. Because it is important to skate on the skate lecture as well. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. And me and John are pretty clear about that, that this is not skating outside with your homies, you know, like this is, even though it feels like it and it's a good thing and it feels like it, it is something else. And, mm -hmm. you know, we try to be as transparent as possible with them and just talk about it and say like this isn't skating with your friends at your spare time but it's still you know we're trying to keep in that spirit but also we need to agree to a certain extent how we should approach this and usually by doing that conversation most of them are like yeah well and as i said we don't force them to skate we just say come down to the skate park hang out mm. be present skate when you feel like it take a break if you need to and even if you don't want to skate the whole lecture that's fine but just yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. something that works for you you know but uh that doesn't even work either sometimes and sometimes it just fails so and that's okay Okay, I have a few last ones. 
Yeah. So this one is from Jaren Jakobsen. Yeah. The question is, I've been skating with you for 18 years and I have only seen once that you gave up on a trick that you tried or filmed. How do you have such a strong mentality on never giving up on tricks or a goal that you have set? We kind of talked about these things. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, but, yeah it's yeah. 100% my ego, as I said earlier on. Mm -hmm. And in certain times and in certain parts and still to this day, sometimes it goes over to being obsessive and compulsive and uh, not a good thing. At some point, like I really got into the madness part of it and like the anger and all the frustration and just took over. But I have such a hard time letting myself down. That drive just keeps giving me energy and just like pushing you. Yeah, walking away from a trick has been really hard. So mm. funny he mentions that he only seen me gave up once. That was probably last summer when I like I was really close doing like a trick over a rail and okay. like screaming like come on one more mm -hmm. and I just in the end got so mad and I that I screamed back I'm done like no like this is me being better than my ego right now so don't force me anymore and I was waiting for them like what you always you never give like what and I was like yeah this is the right thing to do for me right now so okay so yeah it's it's that but also I just always loved just pushing myself to that limit you know just go to the very edge of what i'm capable of and yeah, yeah, yeah see what's inside the box and it's usually a monster <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting and the reward of course of making it's just you know euphoric yeah i'm sure i'm sure yeah for sure especially for tech tricks or, or tricks that you battle for a long time yeah, yeah, yeah you get addicted to that stuff so okay let's do this one we mentioned her earlier i have uh, men in norwegian classmates and uh, you're from norway and you used to go to the school. So my question is, what is the biggest uh, difference between the Swedish and the Norwegian uh, skate scene? Did you recognize oh, her voice? Yeah, or? Vilma, of course. Vilma, yes, exactly. Yeah, recognize Vilma. Yeah, I'm gonna say something controversial straight off the bat that the Norwegian skateboarders are better than Swedish. <laughs> of course. No, no, but that's, uh, I mean, like, there is a saying that it's typical Norwegian to be good, and that's really whack. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I think it's so amazing. Norway has probably the worst, especially where I'm from, it's like 280 rain days a year. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's the weather and the climate sucks, you know. <laughs> But still, we have several skaters that turn pro and we have uh, yeah, incredibly gifted such skaters. a strong community and such gnarly skater. And we, we are only half the population of Sweden, 5 million people. And still we have so many gnarly skaters and great. And, you know, all of those who are well known in the skate industry, they're good. But there's so many more. Like there's so many videos, Norwegian like videos. Yeah, local with, vids. Yeah. Insane, like pro level skating is just... So yeah, I'll I'll just leave it in that and probably gonna get some hate on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wilma, for that question. Okay, I have two last ones. This one is from your girlfriend, Fenya. Yeah. So she said, if you had to stop skating right now, what would you do instead? Probably end up in a mental hospital. <laughs> just kidding. No. Well, after but, uh, after the mental yeah, hospital. <laughs> yeah. After the mental hospital. Once you get out. Once I get out. I don't know like it's so hard i've been trying so hard to to think about that exact question like what would i do i find it so hard to catch interest because i'm i'm the type of person who is like if i'm committed to something like when i find that one thing then i really do that all the way right, yeah. and and it's hard for me to make sense of anything else than that 
I just really enjoy skating so much that like it's kind of hard to fill that void. But if I had to choose something, it would be um, last couple of years I've developed a huge interest uh, for you know hiking in the mountains. Oh yeah. Where mm-hmm. I'm from in Norway, there's beautiful mountains, beautiful scenery. There's so much uh, outdoors to discover and I've always like hated not hated that but I've always avoided it when I was a kid because you know you're surrounded with it in Norway as a Norwegian you're surrounded with you know going to the mountains being outside in the in nature and and all that stuff so if I were to stop skating today I would probably you know work out swim in the ocean like I do biking is a really good like complimentary yeah 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 you can bike intensely and skate like it's not incompatible yeah yeah, there's a lot of skaters who's uh, into that too. Right, so it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty pretty cool. But yeah, and and uh, you know, just camping, uh-huh. being out in the woods. I don't know if I even could, you know, catch interest in another sport at this point. If you want to call skateboard a sport, that's pretty controversial. But yeah, maybe I could try. You know, maybe I could do it for fun every now and then. But being this deep in skateboarding, nah, that's not gonna happen in anything else. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I sure. always come back to that, and it's like, yeah, you know, like I try to do stuff, and when I come back and I skate, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, this is this is the best. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's good. It's good to try out some other things sometimes. Too. Of course. Yeah. Just really quick, back to that subject about, you know, what do you do with students that's not motivated? Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the main advice I actually give students who are attending the school is that if you want to keep a good relationship to skateboarding, find something else. Yeah. Find something else besides of skateboarding that gives you something besides of, you know, partying, alcohol and doing, you know, stuff that's pretty much destructive. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very last one. Hi, Stefan. First of all, I just want to say that I'm super proud of you for reaching out to the world and sharing your story about your mental health and your choice of becoming sober. My question to you is not about skateboarding. I wonder if you have any tips or recommendations for the people out there who are feeling depressed or battling their mental health by themselves. See you in Malmö soon. Take care. Ah, criminal. Yes. His name is Christopher. Christopher Kalsjö. Yes. Ah, thank you so much for asking that. So yeah, it's pretty new that I decided to go sober, completely sober, to not drink alcohol or do anything else. Okay. Like maybe two months ago or something like that. Okay. Yeah, for me, it was a good choice. I didn't have like a a severe problem with the, maybe this wasn't what he was asking, but I would still say it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any severe, severe... um, Addiction problems? Addiction problems to any drugs or alcohol, but uh, I definitely in many years had a really destructive behavior while intoxicated with alcohol. And as many people do stupid stuff and and that's okay and and whatnot. And uh, I learned to control it to some extent. And, you know, I drank less and less and like tried to, find balance which is said the word i hate Mm -hmm. but it just came to me one day just like i'm over this you know like this is just not for me you know it's just unproductive in my life i get it that people want to do it and i get it that people enjoy it and i do too like i more than enjoy it i love it that's why i don't (laughs) want to do it because i like it too much you could say so uh, so yeah i just took it to the next level in my journey to become a better version of myself it's a cliche but that's what it is i guess absolutely uh, 100% i just wanted to you know be free from it Mm -hmm. and uh uh, to connect that into what um, Kill is asking, I think struggling with mental health, struggling with addiction, struggling with you know depression, anxiety, and other diagnoses, you need to just start digging 
digging and digging and digging down in your deep, deep hole, which everyone has. And in that hole, you're gonna meet so many ghosts, so much darkness and hopefully some light, which I did and I'm really grateful. And what that light is, you know, it's different from person to person. For some, it might be something religious and for some people it might be a person. It's just, you know, it's just important to acknowledge it, talk about it, reflect on it a lot. And at the end of the day, it's about like what makes you happy mm. and dare to ask yourself that question. Stop living in the lie that we all have been told. And this is getting pretty, you know, out there, but I don't care. So, yeah, you know, like living in that lie, like if you get that next Mercedes, if you just like that next step, like, like I said, back in the day when you're a kid, like maybe dreaming about becoming something, a pro skater or whatever, and you think like happiness is like in a box wrapped in ready for you to unpack it. But what you will find in that box is usually like an empty hole and it's so easy to and you see it all around like people just like drowning themselves in mm. drugs alcohol and other dark unproductive coping mechanisms and it's it's about time we stop you know living in that lie and, and actually talk about what it is mm. and i don't i don't say it's a bad thing becoming a pro skater it, it's a great thing like if that's your goal and if you reach that and if you're happy in it like that's perfect but i don't think that's the case for for everyone and it's certainly not the case that you will get happy because of that and that yeah. you can see in ben raymer's foundation for example which i am a huge fan of and yeah, uh, yeah actually actually me and alex Svensson talked about doing a skate charity for that foundation oh nice this yeah. summer and uh, do a similar thing that barney page did when he skated oh, from yeah, london yeah, yeah. No, I think it was UK, the whole UK. The whole or UK, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do just a way smaller version of that and just skate for the Ben Ramers Foundation. And, oh, that's amazing! You know, that's a great idea. Yeah, and these things gives me a lot. You know, talk about it openly. Yeah, being you know in the present moment, not just too much in the future, too much in the past. Just learn to accept it for what it is. Mm. Like try to not let the shame take over, and just try to tell the people you love that you love them. Yeah, because like that's a huge part of it it's so so easy to be like yeah 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 no it's, it's cool it's cool yeah, it's, it's not yeah, whatever yeah, like yeah i'm a man yeah, no worries yeah and just find your own light find your own light in life it's different for everyone like yeah. meditation super good you know if you're into uh, religion that's good you know yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. What's, whatever, whatever floats you, your boats yeah. it's weird to say but i kind of say like you need to go towards where it feels the most scary because if it doesn't yeah. feel scary it's it's not going to get you any place like that's why people escape to drugs and alcohol and, and all healthy coping mechanisms because it feels safe yeah because it feels good like of course if you get drunk you're you you do not feel any anxiety in that present moment but you will feel even more the day after and even more the week after and even more like if you keep going and that's what happened to me i just let that you know anxiety and uh, depression just grow and grow and grow and i never stopped and listened to my body i just filled my and i think a lot of people can relate to this that you just fill your life with stuff that you think is good and you're like yeah i'm happy you know like hey I get drunk every weekend i'm hanging out with my friends i have tons of friends i have so much going on like i have a good job i have an apartment house i had all that stuff and i yeah and i told myself this is it like I remember my friend Yaran, Yaran, who also has been like struggling with a lot of the same things. Okay. Like asked me at some point, like, aren't you like having any, anything happening? I was like, what? Why should I have that? Like I have the perfect life. Like I'm working out every day. I party. Like I have the looks. I have a part. Everything is good. Like, and it's like, yeah, well, but you know, someday it will maybe catch up to you. And yeah. I did like pretty much straight after, like not a long time after. And he's like, yep, yeah, told you so. And mm -hmm. 
and that's when I realized like, whoa, I let this go way off. And yeah. so, but yeah, also just don't look at it as a bad thing because it's not, it's quite the opposite, you know, like I wouldn't be here. I am today if I hadn't, yeah, you know, like if, uh, if these things the hadn't happened, yeah. it's part of your journey. I could have been stuck in, in Stavanger, you know, just, you know, 30 years old, maybe just having an apartment, you know, the car, the house, which is really normal over there and, and the job or whatever, and just have that lifestyle, which would make me even more depressed. So I'm super glad and super thankful for, mm. for having all of those things. It's just really hard in the present moment when it hits you and when it hits you hard, it's, it's overwhelming. And that's where the friends and family and uh, love come in. So yeah, yeah. That's the strongest and most important. No, that resonates a lot for me because I quit drinking almost two years ago now. Okay. Uh, I was a heavy alcoholic for 15 years. I worked in the wine industry. I was like a sommelier kind ah, of, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I uh, worked in wine bars. Wow, yeah. And uh, so I would drink every night alone with people like... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My whole mental health, my overall health, everything was going to shit. And uh, I was getting slowly but surely towards liver cirrhosis. Yeah. COVID kind of saved me because I, uh, I quit drinking in April 2020 and uh, wow. it was uh, hands down the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's uh, so worth it. It was very uncomfortable for many months and everything, yeah. but, uh, but I'm so grateful. Like I would have never started this podcast if I hadn't stopped drinking. And Oh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it opens so many doors, you know, like uh, I was trapped in like this kind of mental prison yeah, and, yeah. Oh, and this lifestyle yeah. and quitting drinking was just like a kind of a gamble. Like I had no idea what was waiting for me on the other side, yeah, yeah, but I yeah, did yeah. and it sucked for a bit of time. But then now I'm like so grateful and I'm, I don't miss drinking at all anymore. Like every now and then I'll think about it, you know, like uh, I'll uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. see a movie and they talk about a nice wine from whatever someplace in Italy. Oh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. oh shit, like I remember these wines whatever yeah, yeah so yeah. sometimes this nostalgia kind of strikes me and it's it sucks a little bit but on the opposite side i know all the great things that being sober has brought me and i would never trade that for anything in the world oh my so, yeah yeah, 100%, so, uh, yeah I, I salute your uh, going sober that's a very important thing Thank you for sharing that. That was really inspiring. I relate so hard to everything you just said. And yeah, that's true. Like there is things I do think about and like, oh man, like, am I not like ever going to stand with a beer in my hand, dance floor with my friends and like, but what I realized is that you can do all of that stuff. Of course, without drinking for sure. You know, it's such a cultural thing too, that like alcohol is so connected to, you know, being social out, being social, yeah. you know, being like relaxed and loose and be able to dance, especially here in Scandinavia, because we drink hard liquor until we dance, <laughs> dance our ass off. Yeah. In France, it's at least what yeah, I It's a bit different know, for sure, but it's, yeah, uh, yeah, you're more like mellow drinking wine here and there, but, but either way for me too, it just came down to that point where it's like, you know what, like this takes so much more than it gives. Mm. And I've had a good run, like I partied hard and a lot of it was good, but a lot of it was super destructive and bad. So I was like, you know what, like I'm going to try this. And for me, it's pretty fresh, but it's not a too hard transition because I, I drank so little the last couple of years. But but yeah. still, it's like, it's still weird. Like I'm going to the poetic premiere now. Yeah. And I'm going to drink some alcohol. I was going to say that, like everybody's going to drink and... 
everybody's gonna drink and like i'm drinking non-alcoholic and people are asking questions and judging and whatever but yeah. what i find is that there's so many people who has so much acceptance way more than i ever imagined so of course yeah. if there's one thing i'll say is that like there are actually more people that are like curious and like wow how's that working for you and like what's that doing to you and like i wish i could do that mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like what do you mean like you could do it like there's nothing I wish. There's just like do or, or don't. Like, yeah. of course, it's not necessarily something that you need to do or even is worth doing for you. But yeah, it's just up to you at the end of the day. But yeah. choose yourself over the alcohol. That's the only thing I would say because, you know, the alcohol will never be there for you, but you can be there for yourself. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's wrap it up here. Thank you so much, Stefan. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm I'm so thankful and grateful for having the opportunity and especially for being able to talk about like the things that I really, really care about and uh, things that I find really, really important. And I just want to keep doing that and uh, hopefully people will Will be inspired inspired to do think about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's it for my conversation with Stefan. Follow him on Instagram at Stefan Osterheim. Follow Brigerietz High School at Brigerietz Gymnasium. Go watch some of Stefan's video parts on YouTube and don't forget to go watch the amazing Fallout short documentary by Pocket Skate Mag on the school which came out a few months ago. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards.